This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day uh, Dallas Morning News. I forgot what we call this. Podcast. Yeah, that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, podcast. That's what that's it, it is. Uh, I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in the studio today by David Moore. The Cowboys look spectacular against the Giants. You know, of course, part of that is the Giants. The Giants. Uh, who are terrible. Um, you know, they, they, they're really good on offense. I, I would say that the, 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 the encouraging things we saw from that game, obviously, were uh, the, the fact that Kellen Moore – uh, broke in so well as the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of pre-snap motion, as we we had heard. Yep. Uh, a lot of things to kind of maybe confuse teams a little bit more than they have. And certainly the fact that he was spreading the ball around so much. So many weapons yep. to, to use now as opposed to this time last year when they went into the season with Alan Hearns and Cole Beasley uh, and Blake Jarwin, uh, who, was, who was good but still pretty young at the time. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference between – the and, and Mike Gallup, Deontay was, Thompson, Tavon Austin, who yeah, got hurt early. That's yeah. right. And Mike Gallup didn't even play in the opener, did he? I think he did. I think he caught one pass for nine yards, yeah. but he was not. He was early last season, uh, which you would typically yeah. expect of a rookie receiver taken in the third round. Absolutely, was, was very erratic. Uh, you know, showed flashes, but nothing, yeah. nothing like he was toward the end of the season, and certainly nothing like he was in the opener. No, and so in, the, in, in Scott Linehan's defense, I'll say this. He didn't have this package to work with. No, not even close. Not even close. So I would think that... Well, and again, remember that the Cowboys management conceded they made a huge mistake last year with the whole, we can we can survive in Des Bryant's absence with a wide receiver by committee yeah. until we draft to get this position back to where we want it. Yeah, uh, They realized it was going to submarine their season and then gave up a first-round pick to get Amari Cooper. And it just shows you one guy can make such a big difference. Now, I know it's more than one guy now because you have Randall Cobb in there. and right. but, but you get one guy, then you don't have to ask too much out of another guy and take him out of a position and, and, and increase expectations on him. I mean, Gallup's a number two receiver. But you don't have Amari Cooper – Gallup's your number one guy. Right. Now, how does that work? Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, it's, it allows everyone to kind of line up in, in the in the spots in the pecking order that they should be from a talent perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, the, the question, of course, in that game uh, for me was uh, offensively they were, were terrific. And, and Dak – Dak was, even though he had a perfect quarterback rating. Oh, my gosh. Okay, go ahead. You're one of these guys. No, no, no. no. no go for no, it. No, no. Go for Dak it. Dak is not, especially early on. He didn't look that good. 
Well, and I didn't, I'm not saying he didn't look that good. He, he looked like himself to me. Dak's just never going to be the guy who's consistently going to be hitting a guy. And, of course, I, you watched the game last night between the, the, the Saints and the Texans, and you watch Drew Brees uh, throw the Ted Ginn. Yeah. If he hits Ted Ginn in stride, it's a touchdown. But yeah. Ted Ginn has to come back and get the ball. Yeah. Not, no quarterback. No, no one's going, oh, Brees. Oh, Brees did another one in a clutch situation. That's right. No you one's, no one's going to say – that you know, you just don't hit guys in stride all the time. No, uh, you know, I, I think the thing of you know, Dak is not a terribly accurate passer. He's the kind of guy who is going to be a little off. He's not always going to hit a guy between the numbers. He's not always going to lead the guy out front, but so he can get it in stride and, and be able to keep running. But he's close enough. Uh, and and the thing for me to be for Dak at moving forward uh, in in this situation is that. How soon is he getting the ball out? To me, the bigger issue for him, for, for uh, fans always want to talk about the accuracy issue. I, I think once he gets his, uh, and, and I talked about this before, you get your fundamentals all right, you're going to be okay on your, on your accuracy. The bigger issue for me is recognizing things and getting the ball out faster. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you took 56 sacks last year. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you wrote about that, uh, he, he says that half of those are probably my fault. And none in this game. Yeah, and none in that, in that game. And, and so to me – Now, Giants don't have much of a pass rush, but he was getting the ball out quick. And again – He was. Okay, here's another example. You, you want him to get the ball out quick. That's something he needs to do. Well, he had like a, a really ugly touchdown pass to Blake Jarwin. Yeah. Because that little trap play came open quicker than he thought. Mm-hmm. He saw it. He knew if I don't get rid of the ball right now – it's going to get covered up, so I got to get it out there. And it was kind of like he didn't have it on the seams. It was almost like a shot put pass. It was so so people will say that that's the thing to me. So so he had four touchdown, you know, threw for over four hundred yards, four touchdowns, you know, no interceptions. But even when you look at the highlights, if you're going to put that in as one of the highlights because it's a touchdown, you're going to go, that's a horrible pass. Anyone could have made that pass, right? I mean, he looked bad on he on that particular play aesthetically. He looked bad making a good play. Right. And I think that's what you get sometimes with Dak Prescott and why uh, aesthetically people just have a hard time accepting him as a top quarterback in the league because aesthetically he doesn't look like it Yeah, from his performance. You know, look. uh, Or his errant throws are so errant. I mean, whereas when Breeze will make a throw that's off, yeah, a guy has to wait or come back a little bit. Dak. Will just miss the guy, and he gives him no shot at the ball. So you go, ah, see, he's not as good. He's not a spinner. I mean, you know, you watch a guy like Josh Rosen throw the ball, even when he's coming out of college. This is a guy when the ball coming out of his hand is beautiful, you know, and uh, and he's really and his timing is really good. Uh, But as as I was having this conversation with my son last night, we're watching these games. But the, the the thing for me is is that as well as Josh Rosen throws the ball. I don't want Josh Rosen as my quarterback, yeah. but one of the reasons is because of the stuff that he says. Yeah. It's like, where is your head at in these mm-hmm. games? You know, he, I, I don't even know if Josh Rosen wants to be an NFL quarterback. There's no question where Dak's head is at. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you've seen him respond time and time again. To cl- now, then you get into the argument. Well, not all these situations should have been closed in the fourth. If he would have played better throughout the game, then he's not bringing his team back from uh, a tie game or a deficit to win. But nobody said that about oh, Captain okay, America. Fine, yeah, or or John Elway. Right, in his career too. It did no, time that, that was always again. exciting, you know. When yeah. people people love that, so yeah, yeah. I, I don't I don't buy that either. I I, I think that, uh, you know, people will say, well, 
oh, now that he's got all these weapons, okay, so, well, that's, that's the whole point, though, isn't it? If you've got yeah. all these weapons and he knows how to use them and he's a tough guy, and, and, I, and I thought that there were things that happened in that game uh, Sunday that, that saw, you, you saw them where he did have some designed runs. These were, these were good things. They rolled him out a couple of times. They and, did more of the run-pass options, the RPOs, and that's right. all about decision-making, and sure. that's all about you know, making the right decision in the moment and trusting, you know, what it is you know uh, your preparation as far as what the defense is going to give you and, and, and what the best counter is to that. Absolutely. Here was my concern in watching that game for the Cowboys' uh, chances. I didn't think the defense looked a lot different in that game than it, did, than it looked in the last game last year against the Rams. Couldn't stop the run. Uh, Saquon Barkley had 11 carries for 160 yards. Yeah. 11 carries for 160 yards. He looked like pretty much – Even they, take out the 64-yard carry, he still had 10 <laughs> for like 100. That's so, right. Yeah. yeah, that was – they They still haven't stopped him. Now, he's a great running back, and there's no yeah. question about that. Uh, but also, they just had a hard time getting out there, getting to him. Uh, it, it wasn't so much – it wasn't always Jeff Heath running up and taking a bad angle – a lot of times they just had difficulty flowing to the ball. Yeah, the first one was – now, I think he he rebounded and played a good game overall, but if you want to look at that, that first big run, I think it was Van Der Esch got kind of caught down inside in there and yes. allowed that to you know bounce outside. And uh, uh, like I said, he I think he played better as the game went along. But um, no, exactly. I mean, that's this is – for all we say about it, this is still – a bit of an undersized defense. I don't know so much at linebacker anymore, no. but I mean your front four it is, yeah. and so that's so you're getting guys on the linebackers quicker if you're an undersized. I mean that it's all about speed, uh, relentless nature, keep going after the quarterback. Um, you can't have everything. You can't be a big plodding defense that plugs against the run but gives you no push against the pass they've chosen to go the other way right. and that means everyone has to be disciplined they have to be in their gaps they can't they can't reach to make a play they have to trust the guy next to them the the linebacker behind them and uh if you have a miscommunication uh that's going to happen and so that's um that is where they're susceptible now i but also i think they've made the determination okay one how many teams really run the ball Two, how many can dominate us on the run where we can't stop it? Mm-hmm. Um, they ran into that in the Rams last year. Now, I will also say, you know, I, we've talked about this before. When they get worn down as the season goes along because they are an undersized. Right. Now, every defense gets worn down as the season goes along. But uh, when you're undersized and you're relying on speed and you're going against some bigger units, it's, it's just a little more natural and it caught up with them. Uh, against the Rams but but how many teams are built like the Rams to run the ball the way the Rams did against Dallas you can argue that was as bad of a matchup as they could have mm-hmm. now you still have to they had to do a better job than what they did obviously I'm not saying that but I'm just I don't I, I think they made the determine determination how many teams are really built to beat you with the run mm-hmm. and uh there aren't that many okay most teams are built to beat you with the pass. So how do we need to slant our defense? Our defense needs to attack the passing game and make yeah. it difficult on the passing game. So, um, but no, there was, yeah, that, that was, a, and especially um, because what can the Giants really do to you on the outside now yeah. in the passing game? I mean, you know, Ingram had 120 yards. They're, they're tied in. 
I mean, everything is built. They're not going to beat you on that the, the edge. So right. everything in that game was stop their run. What can they do if you stop the Giants' run? And, and they weren't able to. They they stopped it from the standpoint they got so far ahead that, that the Giants yeah, couldn't the off, run as much as they wanted it. to. Yeah. yeah, the Cowboys' offense stopped. Yeah, it. I don't think Barkley touched it in the second or had one no. carry in the second quarter. Yeah, eleven carries, and so that's the difference for me between that's the difference between the Rams game and the Giants game is that the the you know that the Rams ran the ball well, the Giants ran the ball well. The, yeah. the difference was that the Cowboys scored points and yeah. put the Giants in a position where we'll, just alter well, the game. Exactly, we can't, we can't run the ball anymore. And, th- and that's the best thing to stop a running game is you get out ahead yeah. and minimize the chances, and then you can't go to the. I mean, if if, if Dallas, you know, if I mean this sounds simplistic, but you know Dallas jumped out to a seven zero lead against the Rams in that game in that mm-hmm. playoff game. Now, if they would have come back and 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 held after that, and then got another one and gone up fourteen zero, now I don't know what changes the complexion of the game then. But if they would have stayed ahead. Going into the second half, Rams wouldn't have been running as much as they were running. Mm-hmm. They they would have taken a few more shots and saying, "Well, look, we just don't have the time to do this. We we know we could do it, but we just don't have the time." Yeah. So, I you know let's to me the the league really doesn't settle down until about weeks three or four, and I think you're going to see you're going to see some more surprising results this week because you're going to say. Oh wow, that team looked horrible in week one. How what in the world are they doing winning in week two? And it just it takes a little bit of time to to even because everyone because now hardly any of these players play in the preseason, they're right. key players. And some are ready to go from opening snap of the regular season, others aren't. Yeah. And we'll we'll see how it unfolds. So this you know, so let, let's let's go into the schedule then. Uh, so we we can look at the fact that uh, this week the Cowboys have got uh, Washington, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, after that Miami, if they if they still have a franchise in another week. <laughs> yeah. uh, apparently, there's a story circulating that players were telling their agents they they want to be traded. Dolphins are are telling their agents they want to be traded now. now. Yeah, they want immediately, to be immediately, yes. uh, which is crazy. They gave up franchise records. In points and yards uh, against Baltimore, Baltimore yeah. of all teams, not exactly a, a, a the, the L.A. Rams uh, of this league. You know that that is unbelievable that they would give that like up. To five them. or six touchdown passes, I think. Oh was, yeah, Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson looked Jackson. like uh, he was carrying his Heisman Trophy around with him. Uh, that was a uh, you know an unbelievable game. So the Dolphins really looked bad. So my point is, is, is that is that if the Cowboys don't go down to New Orleans with a three and zero record, the fix is in. That means that <laughs> that something has happened here to keep the Cowboys from. Being Although there. I will say that you know they've had some odd occurrences in Washington yeah. through the years, enough to where you can just go, well, that's history. It doesn't factor in this year, but you know, even last year, you get called on the on the the snap. Oh, moving right. the ball, yeah, right. Uh, I mean, there's some, there's a bizarre thing that always seems to happen in Washington, and it's a division game. Washington's defense is good, although they lost a, a key guy in the line. Uh, Washington usually plays them well. Uh, Washington has played them better in my mind than the Giants over the last three seasons. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and Now, they haven't won a lot of those games, but they've played them better. They've been more competitive, you know. Well, so. They're just uh, – the Washington struggles with, at quarterback. You know, you got Case Keenum oh, yeah. as your quarterback now. All of that being issue. said, Case Keenum had an outstanding first week. He looked really good. He did. But all of that being said, Dallas should oh, absolutely. win in Washington. They should be 3-0 and going into that New Orleans game. And then from that point on – 
from that point on, I think is when we'll start to say, okay, where just where does this team rank? All of that being said, they should rank among the best in the NFC. I mean, there's no doubt on that. I mean, Dallas, you know, Dallas beat New Orleans last year, right? Uh, and and you go back the last five years in the NFC, only one team has a better regular season record. That's Seattle. Yeah. Dallas has the second best regular season record in the right? NFC over the last five years. It doesn't register, and you don't view them that way because they don't do anything in the postseason. Right. All these other teams like uh, Atlanta, New Orleans, Philadelphia, when they break through and they were at the top in that season, they would go on and actually do something in advance in the playoffs. Dallas has not. But you look at the body of work over the last five years, it's Seattle and then it's Dallas right at the top of the NFC. But Dallas is the only one out of that group that hadn't broken through and and where you say, oh, well, this is a Super Bowl contending team. But just that record shows you that they should be in that. And let's go back even more. You know, you can focus on what they didn't do in, in that Rams game and how the Rams just really ran over them and controlled the game. All that's legitimate. But Dallas had the second youngest roster in the NFL last season. Mm-hmm. Gets to the divisional round, loses what turns out score-wise to be a fairly close game. It turns out being an eight-point game right. on the road. Most most places you would say, "Well, look, that's a team on the rise. That's a team you should watch." Second youngest roster, they get lose to a Rams team that went to the Super Bowl, lose to them on the road by eight points. They're in the mix this next year, but I think. Because for 23 years, Dallas hasn't gotten by the divisional round. Dallas has been a 13-3 and team in two of the last, like, seven years and not won a playoff game. Mm-hmm. And, like, a few, I mean, that's, that's really hard to do. Right. Once. To do it twice, no other team has done that. Yeah. You win at least one to get to the championship game. Right. You may not go to the Super Bowl, although the percentages say you do if you're 13-3. and Right. Uh, but they've had two 13 and threes and not even won a playoff game in those years twice. So I, I think that that overrides how you view this Dallas team. Because if you didn't have all of that there and you just said second youngest roster, lose to a Rams team that went to the Super Bowl on the road by eight points, yeah, they're they're right in the mix this next year in the NFC. But I think it's I think you go because you know what preceded it. You go, eh. Well, that's certainly always going to happen in postseason. That's certainly what all the people who write me tell me anyway. Uh, yeah. All the things you just said. Yeah, it's, it's difficult yeah. to argue, you know, and I try to tell these people, you know, just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it, you know, won't happen in the future. Yeah. You, what you have to look at, you know, it, listen, when I was growing up, for whatever reason, this is bizarre. I was, in, you know, I grew up in Houston. I'm an Oilers mm-hmm. fan. But first, uh, we got a poster of the Kansas City Chiefs. Somebody gave it to me. It's a, it's, mm-hmm. It was the team poster. And so I, I, I liked the Chiefs for a while. And when they were great, you know, in the late 60s. Yeah. And then, of course, the Chiefs weren't any good for about a decade. And so it wasn't until years later, I, I stopped following the Chiefs when they weren't winning anymore. And uh, I, I went back and looked, and it's like, well, what, why were the Chiefs so bad? Then you go back and look at their drafts. Well, they had like 10 drafts in a row where they get, they're getting nobody. Mm-hmm. Essentially, that's what it's all about. If you're not restocking this roster all yeah. the time, if you're not adding really good players in the draft all the time, you're simply not going to win. That's the answer for what happened to the Cowboys in the late 90s mm-hmm. and in the early 2000s. Too many drafts with nobody in them. Yeah. You know, it's as simple as that. You can talk about, you can complain about Jerry, you can complain about the head coaches, you can complain about all of it all you want to. The 
big reason was they simply drafted poorly mm-hmm. and made some bad decisions on personnel and in committing to free agents. Yep. And they had to do that because they drafted poorly. Poorly, but exactly. But it essentially just gets back to – And then to, got their pay scale out of whack, which made it – yeah, so bad. Absolutely. So, so Will McClay comes in, and now they've been drafting better, and they've had, they've had good drafts where they're adding Pro Bowl players mm-hmm. uh, pretty, almost every year. Yeah. Uh, and and that is it, and that's what you have to look at. You cannot look at, well, they didn't, they haven't won all these years. Well, they didn't have the players to win all those years, mm-hmm. and that and that is that is part of uh, the, my biggest issue with that with that argument. But getting past that, I want to talk about something that, that came up in the in that game that I don't think we we've, we've talked about much. And and watching uh, the Arizona Detroit game brought this up for me again. Mm-hmm. I believe in that game uh, between the Cardinals and uh, and the Lions. Uh, at the end of the game, when Kyler Murray comes back with 18 points in the fourth quarter and forces the overtime, uh, and then if the if the kid the DB makes the interception at yep. the end of the game, they got a chance to win it, which would have been really an unbelievable thing. Uh, a pretty poor game for the most part. Two bad teams, but what uh, what, what I'm mean, interested in that game was that. And I and I they said this on the air, and I had to go back and look to see if this was true. I believe they said that the Cardinals ran 85 plays. Which in the NFL, that's a lot of plays. That's a lot. You know, that's about twenty more than you're usually mm-hmm. going to get uh, in yeah. an NFL game. Not, a, it's not unusual for a college game, no. but certainly a lot for a pro game. You're looking at those Lions players, that defensive line standing around. They, those guys are gassed, mm-hmm. and so this plays right into Kyler Murray's hands at the end of the game. And I yeah. believe that's one of the reasons why uh, Cliff Kingsbury felt more comfortable at that point. They went with the offense, the air raid offense they, they, that he employed at Texas Tech, mm-hmm. and they were doing the things. And that's why all of a sudden, after looking so terrible for three quarters, they looked like what everybody in Arizona was hoping they were going to be. Mm-hmm. And in, 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 the, in line with that, one of the things that Kellen Moore talked about in this game was that they went with a no huddle more mm-hmm. often in this game. And in these comebacks that we've seen the Cowboys make, most often – it's in a no huddle yeah. offense, and it seems like that uh, that Dak is more comfortable, comfortable. in that. These are these are things that these guys did in college. This is mm-hmm. a young roster, as you as you said, uh, and when you have a young roster, you you have to feel like they're going to be in better shape than the teams with guys with a lot of thirty year old guys and are, are older. So I'm wondering if if you think that in the future. Uh, of course, you'd adopt a different game plans for everybody. Sure. The reason they threw so much against the the Giants is because the Giants are pretty good against the run. They're terrible yeah. against the pass, and it's a simple reason for doing that. I'm wondering if you think that they might go with more no huddle just as a general rule. Yes, I, I think they will. I, I think this game was an indication of that. You know, some of us have been asking, like Jason Garrett, for the last two years, is like, well, you know, you – when you look at this offense at the end of the half in the last couple of years, even when it wasn't operating at, at peak efficiency, nowhere close to what it was in this, in this opener, where they did have burst looking pretty good was usually when they went to the two, you know, two minute offense at the end of halves. Yeah, and uh, it was like you know it was like turning the light on, and uh, you got good movement. Uh, you saw Dak be more decisive. You saw uh it it just seemed to like bring a a a different level and intensity to the offense and so the question was why don't you mix this in more why do you you know we know you use it from time to time but why don't you come out and start a game in a two-minute off why don't you come out and and may just go you know what our second possession tonight we don't care where the ball is boom we're gonna go two-minute offense um I mean doesn't that keep one you're good at it 
Uh, it does bring that sense of urgency that you're always talking about. The players always need to have, and, and it catch, catches a defense where they can't uh, do their normal substitution patterns. Maybe they're back on their heels a little bit because they're not expecting this. Why? Why don't you use that more as part of your game plan? And the response was always, "We do." <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, yeah, but but not, well, why don't you do it more? more? Well, give me a specific example. Yeah. And and. And I think, I think before they were looking for, I think it's as simple as this. Before they they were looking for reasons not to do it. Yeah. Now they'll look for reasons to do it. Yeah. And and a part of this is being more comfortable. Look, you know, I think their argument, and rightfully so, last year. Okay, we come out of the two minute offense with the receivers we had. Yeah. We're three and out. Yeah. We're three and out again. Right. So so. So I tell you what, there's nothing that, that gets you out of a two minutes offense quicker than opening a game with it and getting two three and outs. Right. Then you're going to go, okay, well maybe let's. But then now suddenly, you've given away two possessions of what are going to be eight in a game, and now you're down to six that you have to do something with. Yeah. So um, it, it's always about finding that balance between the fear of a quick out and confidence in we'll know our guys can execute this and and even if we get a three and out here our defense is going to hold but but that goes into field position and where you are on the field and all that so um but no I, I think we'll see I think I think Kellen made it very clear that these guys are comfortable doing it um they're very good at it. Why wouldn't we do it more? I, I w- that's one thing you'll see. You also say you saw a lot more off the play action, which I, I, yeah. I know a lot of a lot of people have been pointing out, and I think it's legitimate. Um, you look at the numbers; you don't even really have to be a good running team for play action to work. Right. Um, Dallas is clearly a good running team, and you know last year they only used about one out of every four passes they threw, about twenty five percent. So they were below the league average. In this game the other night. 15 of their 32 passes were play action. And yep. Dak completed 14 of them for 207 yards and three touchdowns. So what was the explanation for before not doing it? Because it just seemed so obvious when you've got a guy like like uh, Zeke Elliott as your running back. Well, we do play action. <laughs> we know you do it. Why don't you do it more? Yeah. Well, you have to take into account the circumstance and what we, we like other things too. You attack def- defenses in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, you go through and look. I, I will say all this too. It's not just, it's not just calling it. It has to be executed, right? And 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 Dak has to make the right decision quickly enough in order to make it work. And I think the Dak of this season is more equipped to do that than the Dak of any other season. So, you know, a lot of these things you say, yeah, it makes sense to do more. But I don't know too many coaching staffs that go, oh. This guy's really good at this, but let's take it away from him. Right. <laughs> you know, there's usually a reason they're not going to articulate why it doesn't happen more. Now, that didn't mean they don't make strategic mistakes, but in overriding philosophies, I think that it, it there's – if you haven't seen it in the past, it's because they didn't believe their personnel could could handle it to the level that needed to be, to be successful. But, yeah, I mean, now look, is Dallas going to be that successful in play action – the rest of the season, I you can't keep those numbers up. I mean, it was fourteen to fifteen for two hundred and seven and three touchdowns. That's right. not gonna. And and his deep balls were right on target. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, um, no one's gonna be able to to keep the head up. But 
you saw those elements. And, and Dak said something after the game that's very interesting. He was asked about the play action and uh, about you know using the play action and opening it up, uh, opening up the offense with that. And uh, he said, look, teams with our history, teams better play the run because they know what we can do. Right. Even if we're not doing it, that doesn't mean we're not going to do it. They have to play the run. Mm-hmm. They we have shown with this with with our running back and our offensive line, every single defense we go go against has to respect the run. They have to. Yeah. Historically, personnel wise, everything. So this is going to be there for us every game. Now you have to, you know, call it at the right time and, and all of that, but let me let me run something past you here because this is just my observation of this and and trying to figure out why things were done the way they were. So so Dak Prescott comes into the league a rookie, uh, raw, you mm-hmm. know, and so they pare down the offense. Let's just do, mm-hmm. let's just do, be as simple as we can with this. Yeah. And so he's successful, and he was, and it and it worked historically well mm-hmm. uh, for the for the Cowboys. Not so much the next year or the year after that. Uh, but I'm wondering here if, if a couple of things are in play. First of all, uh, didn't have, you know, at that point, uh, uh, Des Bryant is going downhill. You don't have the same. Noticeably. Noticeably. Uh, so you, you don't get the same performance out of him. Yes. So now we're talking about the weapons are not as good. Now now his primary weapons seem to be Jason And Elliott had the six-game suspension in the second year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So things are happening here that are contributing to that fact. And as, as, as we noted earlier, uh, Scott Linehan did not have all of these multiple weapons that the Cowboys have mm-hmm. now. Uh, one of the things we, and you and I both tweeted this about uh, Randall Cobb on the stiff arm. Uh, if, if you that, not see that out of the slot. You're not going to see that. Years. You're not going to see that from Cole Beasley. And, and that's no knock against him. I, what Cole not Beasley, at all. What, what he brought to the table was really true. Yeah, and Cole and, you know, uh, Randall Cobb is, has – dinged his ribs up a bit this week, oh, and they yeah. don't know how much he's going to practice. Is that right? So, yeah, so we'll see that that's the other side of the physical nature of Cobb. Is he going to be out there every game? Then when he's not out there in the slot, how different does it look? Absolutely. So. But in any case, you have all of these different weapons that uh, that Kellen Moore has in his first year mm-hmm. that Scott Linehan didn't have. But I think what you also have is one of the things you talked about is that uh, because he's a younger guy, Kellen uh, Moore knows that Hey, we all came up in this kind of offense, so I know how these mm-hmm. guys think and feel. Yeah. Scott Linehan, an older guy, not as in touch with these young guys and what mm-hmm. and what they're used to and what and what they played in when they were when they were coming up and playing football in their formative years. And also, you have to believe that in Scott Linehan's mind, he still had visions that the Dak is this guy, the guy that he came up, you mm-hmm. know, with that this is really who he is, yeah. and this is really what we have to do. And I don't want to put him in a position to fail, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that Kellen Moore is more inclined to look at it like, no, I see the improvement here of this of this young guy, and I think that that it's time for him to do this, and he can do this now. And obviously, a lot of it because of the personnel involved around him and the things that he can do. I just think that this is a classic. Uh, it's just one game, but if it if it keeps up like this, and not necessarily at this level, but if they just keep being successful offensively, this is a classic case of right uh, of of terrific timing for Kellen Moore. Yeah, everything came along, but also if you keep Scotland ahead, I'm not sure that it turns out this way. No, I don't sure. think it does. No. I, don't, I don't think he's inclined to do the kind of things that Kellen Moore is doing. I don't think he's. In, no. I don't think he has the confidence in these players to do the things because because we know what Scotland Linehan did before, right? 
when he was coaching the Rams, when he was when he was in Detroit, he didn't run an offense that was just turning around and sticking it in the guy's stomach. No. He's Calvin Johnson. He was throwing constantly. Absolutely. He was adapting to what you know Garrett won and, and what the personnel was and what the what Garrett's offensive philosophy was. Right. And look, I, I think look, a, a change needed to take place. My understanding was even late last year. Garrett went to Linehan and said, "Hey, you you got to give me a little bit more here. We're, right. we're too, you know, this is this is too stale. This is just too. We've got to. It's too predictable. We, we've got to do a few different things and get to things differently. Um, but I, I I still maintain that over the the course of his career here as offensive coordinator, that Scott Linehan is unfairly maligned." You go back and you look at what he gave this offense when he came in his first year in 2014. You look at what he did to adapt on the run with with Dak Prescott. Uh, you want to talk about their offensive scheme and what they envisioned executing was nothing the way it turned out to be. That was Tony Romo. You were going in season with Tony Romo and Des Bryant. Now all of a sudden you have Dak and uh, Elliott. You want to talk about, I mean, uh, adapting to your personnel and putting together a scheme that's successful on the run. How many, I don't know that many offensive coordinators in the league did a better job than Scott Linehan in 2016 when you look at how different that offense turned out being than what it was projected to be going into the season. Um, So, and then as we said, 2017 was just uh, the whole way it unfolded with uh Elliot and it was but but last year was look they he they greatly miscalculated at receiver mm-hmm. and, and that just really constrained this offense even more but you uh but you saw signs late in the year but you're exactly right I mean this and and, and now you have Blake Jarwin's a different player than he was to start last season uh Amari Cooper's just makes everything better. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Gallup is so much better. Randall Cobb is is a proven veteran guy that not just the slot, but you can now suddenly um, you have like everyone said before. Well, why doesn't Linehan move this receivers around more? Why do you only run Dez out of one spot to where a defense can can you know fixate on him? Well, maybe because Dez can only run out of the X. Right. He can't run out of the slot. He doesn't know the plays. He he doesn't he can't run the routes precisely enough to be an effective slot receiver. You can't move him over to the Y. He has one place. Now, now your main guy can only run out of one spot. How creative can you be with moving your guys around? Right. Amari Cooper, he can play X, he can play Y, he can play the slot. Mm-hmm. Randall Cobb, he can play the slot, he can go outside. Mm-hmm. Gallup can switch sides. Yeah. Uh so now suddenly and, and, and Jar- Jarwin and, and Austin now, to me, are these, like, wonderful uh, luxuries that you can and, – and Tony Pollard that you can – which we didn't see much of in the opener as far as I think how they'll use him going forward. Right. That, okay, that now you can attack with them from different spots because you have all these other guys. Now you have Witten back where, okay, we have him. We need third and four. you got to account for him on third and four. Well, that's going to break Jarwin loose in the scene. You know, we can go with Jarwin as the fourth receiver. We can go with Austin as the fourth receiver. We can go with Pollard as the fourth receiver. So they just have a flexibility now they didn't have with Linehan. Right. Yeah, it's just a different uh, – there's no question there's a lot more talent available, and it's a little more seasoned talent as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the – you know, when you go – That's the other thing. You don't want all young guys. You want a good mix and, and, and 
Cobb helps. You know, he's an older well, guy, comes from a different scheme, and Witten coming back a lot. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and that, but that's one of the things that's interesting to me when you when people would talk about the Cowboys and projecting for this season. They said, well, they didn't make any big additions. Uh, uh, that Randall Cobb was the was the big addition uh, for this team. Um, now, I, I want to look at a couple of things here. On uh, we just, we talked about the job Will McClay has done and and uh, and the talent he's added to the roster. Uh, I'm wondering what talent they've added this year. Uh, Tristan Hill was not activated for this game. No. Uh, and Connor McGovern uh, is how long injured is list now. Injured at least list. at least half the season. At least a half the season. So that's your your second and third round draft picks. Uh, right there, and you didn't have a first because you gave it up for Cooper, right? Uh, so uh, I, I'm Pollard's going to be a part of this team. Pollard, Pollard's a nice player. Is Donovan Wilson going to end up playing? Oh yeah, yeah. Now he he has the ankle, uh, which is why he wasn't active. He's still nursing an ankle injury. And how long will that keep him out? Uh, maybe another week. He he might be. We'll, we'll see this week. He might be able to come back and be on the active roster this week. Uh, the the forty six man. But he, he's he's going to be on the forty six man roster, I think, too. And and uh, you know, they, Joe Jackson, the defensive end who yeah. can also play inside. That's part of the reason they kept that Tristan Hill was inactive. Is like, well, Joe Jackson's defensive end, but he can also we can run him there at tackle if we need to, and he deserves it at this point and Tristan Hill does not so we'll go with our fifth round pick Joe Jackson over our second round pick Tristan Hill yeah but but no you're got, you're to the point two things here i think one it shows how well this team is drafted that they do have a lot of guys from previous drafts lined up ahead of this draft class sure. getting you know you're going to have diminishing returns in your draft at some point as long as you keep the young players because right. Where are the new young players going to break in? Only on places where they're you made a you know mistake in the draft before. So uh, there have been fewer mistakes in the draft. So you have more young talent. So there are fewer to to ship you know jump in there. And two, you were later in the draft. You were back at like twenty two, right. twenty three. So I mean, when you're drafting later in each round, it's going to be harder for those guys to break through as well. So so to me, a lot of this year is a natural culmination of you've had so much success in the draft for the last five to six years that that does have a domino effect. And this class is going to catch up with you a little bit. That being said, they need, they need Tristan Hill on the field yeah, on a regular basis before the season is over. They need uh, Connor McGovern to at least be, um, you know, solid depth for them going forward. They need Pollard to do what they project. They need Joe Jackson to be a, uh, uh, rotation player in this in this defensive line. They need, you know, Donovan Wilson. I mean, you know, Xavier Woods was another sixth round pick at safety that's come on and and looks pretty good now. Um, why can't Donovan Wilson do the same? And so that's they they need to hit on those down the down the line guys. Did we did we discuss this before about Tristan Hill? Did did uh, did Rob Marinelli talk the Cowboys into drafting him, or did Will McClay really like him that much? Well. If McClay didn't like him, they wouldn't have drafted him. Yeah. But Marinelli's lobbying effort was intense, and he was like, I have a good feel about this guy. This is what we want. He has the skill set. Um, he may not be ready now, but he's receptive. We have a connection. I can reach him. I can get this out of him. Let's do it. I'm all on board. We should get this guy. Mm-hmm. So it was a very strong – 
lobbying effort by Marinelli, which, uh, and, and then where they are, there was like, well, you know, if this guy who's going to have to work with them feels that strongly about it, and and we can't, and we don't feel strongly enough to argue, no, we want this guy instead, and this mm-hmm. is why, you know, sometimes pe- the the loudest argument does win when you get to a certain point in the draft, and if you have a guy, if you have if your position coach is advocating for a player, well, then, you know, as a personnel guy, unless you have a strong alternative, you're not going to be blamed if that guy doesn't pan out either. You know? Right. I mean, in the building. Yeah. Now, on the outside, you can say, oh, wow, what was Will McClay thinking there? But it doesn't matter what's on the outside. It's what people on the inside of the building think. And inside the building, everyone would go, well, we know that was Marinelli, so well, don't, it, don't blame Will on that one because he, he gave the alternative. He just wasn't as passionate in arguing for it. So. Well, and, and look, uh, Tristan Hill was a guy that was considered a first-round talent. Uh, and, you know, when you get a first-round talent in the defensive line in the second round, yeah. uh, then, then that's, that's considered, you know, a, a, a good deal. Yeah. Uh, my question would be: Juan Thornhill is starting for the Chiefs, yeah. Uh, now at safety, and he was certainly available. Yes. when they took Tristan, and down. that's what they did. They went over, and again, they went. So then you get into okay, it's not just the player; it is how do we weigh the position, right? And Tristan Hill, they view as a three technique, uh, which is their pass rushing defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, that carries a much greater premium. If you want to order every everything on the Cowboys defense, it would be the it would be the defensive end. What mm-hmm. what where you know I mean uh, what Demarcus Lawrence plays, um, the three you know the corner the two corners right um, the three technique is probably right there the two you know two of the three linebacker spots right um, you really they don't weigh much. Lower. I don't know that they have uh, a position grade. The only thing I would say that they grade lower on the defensive side of the ball, lower than a safety, would be that number one defensive tackle technique. Mm-hmm. He's basically just like a, a run stopper. Right. Um, so that's it. So you're looking at okay, this is this is what we value second or third most on our defense positionally versus what we value ninth. 10th most on our defense positionally so that the the difference in the positional weight also lean toward and see that's an you know. in, that's an interesting point and i and i get that you know and, and that's not necessarily unusual but that's why it's an inexact science because you're arguing but you can also go well thornhill's clearly a better player better athlete mm-hmm. but if he reaches his upside at that position will it impact our defenses greatly if hill reaches his upside at his position. But see, here's the thing. And they that, decided no. Yeah. And, and they I, may have decided incorrectly. But, you know, when, you know, the the, the, the defense that Rod Marinelli is supposed to be modeled after was what, what Tampa used to use. Yeah. And, and John Lynch was the, yeah. the safety on that. He was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And and I don't see that in this Cowboys defense. And that's the thing, for, the problem for me. Xavier Woods, uh, I, I think is a guy who who may be a, end up being a ball hawk, but he's he is a little trouble tackling. Jeff Heath is kind of hit and miss mm-hmm. tackling. Made a big hit the other day. It forced uh, well, yeah. it looked like a fumble. It, it was, was yeah, an, an incompletion. But he certainly knocked the ball out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a very nice play. Um, but uh, I'm still going to have a little bit of an issue with the fact that Juan Thornhill was also thought about 
as a first-round talent. Yeah. Uh, fell to the second round. He was available to them there. Uh, and a guy, let's just say we'll be, keep, we'll be monitoring that situation. Sure. And see should. How, see and how should. he does. Yeah. Again, and, and there's a, you know, there's a difference in placing a greater value or premium on one position over another and being completely dismissive of a position. Yeah. And I think at times the Cowboys are almost dismissive of what they think of the safety position. Oh, I think they are too. Because uh, here's the thing. Who are the greatest safeties in the in, in the in the in the night? So certainly in their Super Bowl years, uh, you know uh, Woodson, uh, Darren Woodson, and then of course and Cliff later Harris on, before that, and Cliff yeah. Harris before that, and then you know Charlie Waters, and, mm-hmm. and if you and if you come into eat, but before Bach, and I think this is what changed everything in the Cowboys' minds is that. You know, before the for a box safety, Roy Williams was a tremendous. He was outside early in his career. Look at what he did early. He was like two, three Pro Bowls. You know, yeah. Woody told me for the wood chain. Yeah, Woody said changes. one time that he's the best football player I've ever played. With. Roy Williams. Yeah, that's what he said. So, and then when the and then when the game changed yeah. and they were making you cover more people as a safety, yeah. then he really struggled at that point. But I think the Cowboys got in their heads with, see, yeah, that doesn't work. But the thing is, is that that none of those great Cowboys teams. Uh, one without a great safety, you can you can you can look back in their history and they they had a lot of them. All yeah. right, down there, the Tommy is going crazy out there, waving his hands, telling us we got to quit. So uh, anyway, it's been fun talking about this. We'll see what it's going to be like next week uh, after after the Washington game. Whether it's hot in here, it feels like the visiting locker room at <laughs> at Longhorn Stadium. <laughs> How about that story? Oh, they couldn't have been turning off the air conditioning, could they? Where where no. is it? Where is it that somebody painted the locker the visitors' locker room pink? I'm trying to remember where that was. That's that's always fun stuff. We could talk about that, but we don't have time for it. So for everybody in here and everybody out there, thanks, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the. Cowboys Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our weekly episodes on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter too. Just search the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Until next time, sports fans, we'll see you.